It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Jim Kawakami. Jim Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Tim Kawakami here at TK Show, recording from the home studio. Very glad to have on a first-time guest, TK Show, someone I know very well. I think someone many, many people in the Bay Area know very well, but uh, has been doing a lot of great work on a lot of stuff, mostly... A's relocation stuff. Uh, I think you know by that introduction who it is. It's uh, AB7, ABC7 producer, anchor, content creator. I don't know. Add about seven other titles to that. Casey Pratt. <laughs> Casey, how you doing? Can you add a couple more titles uh, while we're talking? Can I can I give you a couple more things, or you, do I have you enough enough titles for you? If you write more nice things about me in your articles, uh, then my bosses will keep adding more titles. So that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> well, make sure you get that money. Uh, usually when I praise people, they get more money. So I, I'm exactly. sure that's coming, that's coming anytime. All right, Case, well, we booked this last week uh, and certainly the news, you know, kind of bubbling up from Las Vegas over the last month or so. They got the vote from the legislature to get the approval for $380 million in public funding. But just last night, I don't know, you know, Vital Vegas, who you, you know, it's a, it's a website or a Twitter account, seems pretty plugged in. And you kind of went back and forth with them, seem to have some interesting kind of developments, would you say, or something, you know, re- reported that maybe this is still just a 50-50 deal. And it's like the Tropicana site, it was, which is what was voted on to get to $380 million, maybe has a 20% chance they might move the site. Casey, what's the hell's going on there? <laughs> so Vital Vegas is very plugged in. Uh, that's a Twitter account that posts a lot of things inside Las Vegas. Uh, like politically, so like a political account, political account, or like, what, what would you say? It's more like uh, just everything Las Vegas. They're really dialed in with gaming, uh, the casinos, the businesses, and obviously those are the people that call all the shots out there. So what do you read from this? What what do you sense that this is an indication of? Well, what's interesting is Vital Vegas has been plugged in on a lot of things, and they said 50-50 on the whole A's to uh, Las Vegas thing. They said about 20% on the TROP, which is interesting to me because even last week, I had a long phone call with somebody out in Las Vegas that said they were all but certain. They they did not think that uh, this thing was a slam dunk or rap of any kind so far. So uh, I find these perspectives interesting. Obviously, you know this well, covering the Bay Area market as closely as you do and I do. Sometimes when you're so close to something, you're you're a bit more hypercritical of it. And I think that if you were to ask me, I'd say it's probably far more than 50% the A's end up in Las Vegas. But, you know, Vital Vegas does have a lot of inside information and it does track with what I was hearing, too. Um, another interesting thing is the TROP. That is the site they had to actually add into the writing of the legislature that they would have that site because there was a lot of rumors they'd move off that site. What I've been hearing is they're pinned down to nine acres, but I think 
when all is said and done, they'll end up with more than nine because a retractable roof on nine acres seems almost impossible. <laughs> yes. Uh, so they would have to re-vote, right? I mean, what what would trigger a re-vote in a legislature? Would it be expanding on that site? Would it be, I would think, if they go to another site, their third site, that would be their third site in about two months in Las Vegas. That would definitely trigger a re-vote, right? I, I would have to believe that. Yeah, if they moved off that site because they made it specific to the Tropicana site, which is, you know, the site that's under control of Bally's. And what was interesting is they chose a site. 20 days later, they chose another site. And even after they made official the agreement for the Tropicana site, I had heard sources told me that they were still touring other sites. <laughs> so I think that if you look at the A's and what they've said they wanted all along, they wanted ancillary development. That was the big thing they wanted at Howard Terminal. That was the big thing they wanted in Las Vegas when they picked their first site. They went on and on about ancillary development's important. People getting in and out easily is important. And then when they chose the Tropicana site, they chose a site that checked none of those boxes. So I think deep down, they're still not totally sold on the Tropicana site, but it might just be the site they're stuck with at this point. What was the rush then, Casey? Why did they have to get this vote, jam it into this, you know, after a couple of weeks from one site to another site? Everyone, I think it was any common sense. I think you and I have some common sense saying, I don't, there's no real plan, right? There's no exact stadium drawing. There's just drawings, I'm sorry. There's no blueprint. There's no schematics. Why did they have to do it right then? Well, I, I think that, you know, uh, one would argue the renderings they put out aren't really uh, very high quality drawings either. <laughs> they're good. But, they're pretty. Uh, they're pretty. <laughs> they're not realistic in any way, shape or form, but, you know, it's something. Uh, I think that what happened was the end of the legislative session was coming quickly. Las Vegas lawmakers have been telling them all along, you have to commit to somewhere. You have to get some property. You have to make a move because if you do not, we can't get a vote in before the end of the session. So they were being pressured all along to pick a site. That's why they kind of rushed into that wild, wild west site and then had all these issues with the site. The culinary unions weren't backing it and they had to quickly pivot to another one, which just showed how unorganized, how chaotic, how rushed the whole thing was. Okay, so they did have the vote. Like there is a sense that Nevada, the state and Clark County, or the governor for sure wants this. He was horse trading like crazy on his own budget to get stuff, uh, to get this vote for the stadium. Are, what's would stop it then? What, what would be the thing that, okay, this is the development in Las Vegas that we both still feel like is happening, but if this happens, they're not going to have a stadium in Las Vegas. What would be that thing? That'd be probably something in the maybe like a public referendum. Uh, there still yeah, is a way they get, they can get could, this on the could, ballot. Yep. Could they get that pretty soon? It's possible. I mean, I've talked to some people that that know about how the public referendum process works in Nevada. See, this is the thing is is now all of a sudden I have to know everything about Nevada <laughs> legislature and politics and the governor and and all this stuff that I would never have known otherwise. Um, the referendum process is is a bit costly and it's a bit involved. You have to get a lot of signatures and you also have to get them from every different district. So it's a it's it's tricky. I think it could be done um, whether or not somebody actually steps up to fund and make that happen. We'll see. But that could take the three hundred and eighty million dollars of funding away. At that point, this thing would be dead in the water. OK, so do you sense in Las Vegas, in Nevada, that there might be some wait a minute like this might not be the team for us to do this with. We see that, you know, polls or whatever, it's clearly not the most popular thing in the state. I think they want a team, but, you know, is this how they want it? 
do you feel buyer's remorse? Do you feel like this could completely turn on the, or the governor could change his mind and they're just saying like many other, as you and I have documented, many other entities have said in the East Bay and other places that this is not going to work with John Fisher. Could that happen? Do you feel any momentum about that? I mean, at the moment, it's a little tricky because even up until the time they took the vote, there just really wasn't much public will and sentiment towards this. I mean, the opinions on the actual bill itself were about 80 percent negative. Uh, I went on ESPN radio in Las Vegas several different times, and each time I went in there expecting a battle. And then the hosts agreed with everything I said the whole time. (laughs) They don't want this team. They don't want these owners. Uh, the public doesn't really want it. I, it's hard to find anybody out there that actually wants the A's. And that's the thing that's really weird about all of this. Aside from the governor and the politicians yeah. that voted it in, everyone else would really prefer an expansion team. I think that would be the best outcome for Vegas, because if you look at the way they've celebrated the Golden Knights versus the Raiders, for example, they really like something that's their own, their own identity, their own thing. Um, and so I think that, you know, you've listened to Bryce Harper, one of the most prominent Las Vegas natives that plays baseball. He keeps saying he wants an expansion team, too. I think that the A's are not exactly a popular item in Las Vegas, and that's getting them off on the wrong foot for all of this. What is John? You know, not that John Fisher is sharing his innermost thoughts with you or me or just about anybody right now. That's the consistent thing I've always heard. I've kind of covered this as, you know, it's macro. You've been right there on the details, which has been so very important. But but people who are around Fisher keep telling me is they don't know. Like he changes his mind. He isn't sure about things. He kind of half commits, half commits, half commits. We've certainly seen that through the trail of failed projects. But where do you think Fisher is? You know, what's his mindset? Like, is it totally on Las Vegas right now? Yeah, I think right now it totally is on Las Vegas. A few things I do know. Well, first and foremost, let me just jump into what you said. You you nailed it on the head. John Fisher is very non-committal. I think that's the main thing I've heard, too, is he is sort of afraid to just like jump in and get something done. You saw it with Howard Terminal. You saw it with the the site switches in Las Vegas. I think that is a main problem. Actually, you saw it even before they picked the first site. Like I was saying earlier, the the people in Vegas, the lawmakers were saying, you got to choose something. You got to jump in. You got to commit. We cannot get a vote. And if you don't, it's always been a commitment issue with him, uh, first and foremost. So. That's the thing that is is actually really interesting to me is that he's just not ready to jump in and commit on much of anything. And, and it's so hard to say what he's thinking because nobody gets to talk to him. If they don't know what the deal really is, let's just say the Nevada politicians, how does this go forward? Like they try to just shove him into like, where is the up down on this? Is is Nevada up in like, say Rob Manfred calls a vote of the MLB and they approve a relocation with all these things up in the air where does this stand? Could it just fall apart in Vegas financially? Where is the next step? Where are the next two, three steps on this? Well, the very next step after, let's just say relocation has already been approved and waived. The relocation fee being waived is critical in this whole juncture too. And I I still don't understand why anybody would approve that. Um, (laughs) The thing is, is the very next thing I think that will happen is I think John Fisher is going to have to uh, sell an ownership stake of the team. I think that's the very next thing we're going to see happen uh, for two reasons. One, I think he's going to need to put somebody in that local market in a prominent role to kind of turn the tide on this whole thing, get somebody that's well-liked, well-known, has some power and influence in Vegas, get them an ownership stake to smooth things over. But the real reason they're going to need to do that is because they need the money to actually build the stadium. So I think that what John Fisher is trying to do, if he ever builds this stadium, 
is do it without using his own money. That's been his MO the whole time. He looks everywhere but his own wallet for funds. And so I think they're going to take whatever naming rights deal they're going to get for however many millions that is, whatever ownership stake they can sell, they're going to use that to actually fund the stadium plus a, a massive loan that they need to find a way to pencil out. But wait a minute, you don't say he spent, he's, I heard he spent $100 million on the Howard Terminal effort, Casey. At least now it's probably $300 million now. It's, it's make-believe money. I, I still want to see those receipts. If that if he put $100 million into that case, that's worse than like signing a terrible baseball player. It was it didn't do very well. As I speak about Howard Terminal, okay, what does Oakland do in this meantime? If you're Oakland, the Oakland mayor who you've interviewed, does she open negotiations, try to sit back and watch this? Where does Oakland stand while the A's Las Vegas thing kind of wavers a little bit? Yeah, I mean, the thing with Oakland is they really felt betrayed in this process. And because of that, they're not picking up the phone. And I think at some point, they actually are going to have to swallow their pride and pick up that phone. Because if you listen to everything Rob Manford has said since this deal blown uh, blew up, he keeps misrepresenting the facts. I'll put yeah. it that way to say it as nicely as humanly possible. He doesn't seem to even know what the deal in Oakland was. And I think that's a big problem for Oakland. I think that's a big problem for everybody. How the commissioner could not even know what the deal is with one of his major league teams that he's desperately been trying to fix for, I don't know, maybe 20 plus years now. Uh, you think he would know more about the deal. So where things got weird is Oakland and the A's went into this exclusive negotiating process right down to the wire. They swore silence on both sides. The A's wouldn't talk. I couldn't get anything out of them. The city wouldn't talk. I couldn't get anything out of them. And part of the agreement too, the city of Oakland agreed not to speak directly to Commissioner Rob Manfred. The A's wanted all commissioner conversations going through them. So this set the stage for this incredibly weird showdown where the A's announced that they're buying land in Las Vegas. An article in the paper leaked according to the A's, but it had quotes from Dave Cavill, <laughs> had quotes from Rob Manford in it. The Oakland mayor said, that's it. We're done. We're out. We're pulling away from the table. We're not going to let you use this as leverage. And here we are now. So at this point in time, the city of Oakland feels like they were betrayed in the middle of these negotiations. They don't feel like they need to be the ones to pick up the phone. However, they can't keep going down that road and expect baseball to stay or even come back as an expansion. At some point, they need to clear the air, particularly with Rob Manfred. They need to present the exact facts of the deal and let him know this is what was on the table. Now go look at what you're getting offered in Vegas. It's less money. It's less land. You're getting nine acres on leased land, a stadium you don't own, land you don't own. In Oakland, it's 50 plus acres on the water, more public funds. All that. They got to put it all on the table. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, I my understanding, I'll just say, like, they really were negotiating. Like, the A's and Oakland were really negotiating. It wasn't like some ghost thing that the, uh, my understanding, John Fisher wasn't used, just using 
the Howard Terminal site as leverage, maybe partially leverage, but I don't think it really was. Casey, is that your sense? I mean, I hear that a lot. And everything I heard was that it was really serious negotiations. They were really going back and forth on stuff. And it was close to a deal that they could have made a deal. Casey, would you agree with that? Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Dead on. Uh, Because they basically put it into a situation where they had a mediator that John Fisher chose. They were going to settle this within a week. They'd flown in all their attorneys like this thing was going to happen or not happen by the end of the week. Either they come to a deal or they both agree that this deal will never happen and they walk away amicably. And that's when the A's dropped the land purchase agreement at the Wild Wild West site uh, right there in the middle of all that. So the whole thing blew up. I actually think that if you look at the way the A's have operated this whole time, they've always tried to use one city against another city. In Vegas, they tried to use one site against another site. They've always tried to pull these leverage moves to get the last best deal. I think deep down the A's may have thought that announcing this land purchase agreement right smack in the middle of the most serious negotiations they had with Oakland might have been one last little leverage play that could have worked in their favor, and instead it just backfired. Yeah, great negotiation there. Yeah, I can't imagine that any normal person would say, we're we're inching towards a deal, and you go cut a deal with someone else. Oh, great, we'll give you more money. That sounds great. The you You know some of these details. Obviously, we don't know all the political stuff, all the financial stuff. But can Oakland give more? I mean, is there more for them to give? I had heard that they've given about as much as they could. And I'd have outside people telling me, this is actually a pretty good deal for the team, given, you know, the parameters and we know the financial, you know, there's limitations of what a city can provide. Can Oakland give more, Casey? Is there is there more on the table for them to give? I mean, it's hard for me to say like exactly where the negotiations ended. I was told by multiple different sources they were about $88 million apart. I was told that the port was even willing to step up and help, you know, bridge that gap a little bit. I was told that they were even going to talk about trying to split that 88 million three ways to try to help the A's get to the end. Um, I think that where this thing really went awry, though, was the global pandemic, that little thing that happened. Um, Costs went up, right? Interest rates went up, uh, inflation hit. And I think that because of that, it took an already way too complex $6 billion project and made it even more difficult to pencil out. So in the end, I think that if you were the city of Oakland, you're pushing for 30, 35% even affordable housing when the state mandates 15%. uh, At some point, you're not going to be able to get real estate developers to sign on under those terms because it's just going to start not penciling out. And I think that's maybe where they could have bent a little bit. Um, But in reality, they've raised almost $400 million in offsite funds using grants. That's a lot of money. That's more than they're being offered in Vegas. On site where the stadium was supposed to be, they had already worked out a deal with the county to reimburse the A's for almost all of those funds as well. So this could have been upwards $800 million that the Bay Area, Oakland, Alameda County was offering the A's. Do you think that the, uh, I mean, my sense though, is that even if this doesn't come about in Vegas or there's major questions, no guarantee the A's are going to go back to Oakland, right? I mean, they could just say, hey, all of a sudden, you know what, Portland now sounds great again or whatever. I think for some reason, Manfred has this edgy feeling about Oakland and would probably like encourage them to look elsewhere. I might be wrong about that. There's some kind of desperation in his voice in, in some of this, you know, that snide response, which we all 
heard you know Manfred give about the reverse boycott. Oh, they got an average crowd. That's great. Oh, that's really nice. <laughs> Uh, is there something going on here with Manfred in the city of Oakland? Is there something maybe it's just fed to him by Fisher? I don't know. Like how, what's your read on why and Manfred's, you know, he's an employee. We know that he's just following whatever John Fisher and the other owners want him to do, but usually it's better than this. Usually it's smoother than this. What's the genesis of this snide Rob Manfred approach to a, you know, a, a fan base, a city that, you kind of want them to still be baseball fans at some point. You've made that great point. Where does this come from? Yeah, I think with Rob Manfred, really what he sees is a deal that may or may not have been close. He sees a mayor that pulled away from the table and said, we're ending negotiations now. And he's never even spoken to the new mayor of Oakland, Shang Tao. He said he was going to call her. He never did. Uh, They aren't reaching out to him. And I think that all of his information at this point is coming from the A's. He's getting a one-sided story from a billionaire owner in John Fisher that's really never comported himself well to Major League Baseball. So if you're getting your entire story from that guy, I don't know that you're getting the full picture. The team is in the trouble it's in, largely because of him and his lack of investment in the team. So I think that Manfred sees a market that at this time has pulled away from negotiations, that isn't reaching out, that isn't calling him. And I think that's where his frustration lies. But if you look at all of his comments prior He was very complimentary about Oakland. He said Oakland does deserve a major league team. Oakland is a major league market. He said that Oakland's diversity is incredibly important to major league baseball. Every comment he made up until John Fisher bought that or agreed to buy the the binding land (laughs) agreement that was not binding, right? Uh, (laughs) He'd always been complimentary about Oakland prior to that. So I think he's really just going to say whatever John Fisher and the owners want him to say. And at this point, he's just saying exactly what they're asking him to. Okay, I've said this so many times that at some point it's not going to be true, uh, but I've heard for a couple years the hinting is he's pushing so hard because he just needs this done. This And this almost is like, I'm going to sell myself out here for you, John. Like, this is speculation. I don't know that I'm going to put myself on the line here for you better come up with this. And we know there's a deadline to, to continue receiving receive revenue sharing, which was put back into CBA after it was taken out in the old one. And like, maybe, maybe if this thing blows up again, if this thing can't work in Las Vegas after all the hits that Manfred has taken, legitimate hits, like he should have taken these hits for the snide responses. Maybe MLB, maybe is ready to say, John Fisher, if you can't get it done here, whether it was Oakland or Las Vegas, you can't get it done. And they don't love pressuring owners to sell, but maybe we just won't give you anything more. And maybe John Fisher, the end game here is you selling. Maybe it's selling in Las Vegas anyway, because we know you get a new stadium, the the price is going to go up. But Casey, do you see this maybe as MLB, if we're trying to figure out any logic to, you know, Manfred's sarcasm, Manfred's bizarre anti-fan stance after the reverse boycott, can you see that? Can you see where MLB's like, this is your last shot, John Fisher. We'll, We'll go with you all the way. You don't get it done if this thing completely implodes. Maybe you should sell. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I'll put it a couple different ways. First of all, if you're Rob Manfred, upsetting, ripping on, you know, delegitimizing what A's fans have done in this market, angering an entire fan base that you're going to expect and need to fly to Las Vegas to come fill your stadium in one of the smaller baseball markets is a terrible business decision, first and foremost. Uh, 
Secondly, I think that they're just so, you know, hard to get this Vegas thing done that they're going to push and push and push and do whatever it takes because I think you're right. I think this is John Fisher's last chance. If he does not get a deal done, as much as MLB owners never want to set the precedent, it's been done before, but of pushing another owner out there, they're all going to be wary of that. But I think that they've given him enough chances. We're talking about a guy whose team is on revenue sharing that's asking for a waived relocation fee to go to a market that they would have made billions of dollars on in expansion. All of these things are money losers for Major League Baseball. They're money losers for other owners. I think that's a big problem. And I don't think that makes any sense. And lastly, I'll say that I think that if Major League Baseball actually had some foresight here and a little bit more patience, the smart play would be to take all the groundwork that John Fisher and Dave Cavill have laid in Nevada they put the A's up for sale, let a local ownership group buy this team, do the deal at Howard Terminal, finish the job. Then three years down the road, when Las Vegas baseball is 100% ready, the stadium's built, everything's done. That's when you snap your fingers. That's when you start the expansion. Because what you're going to get now is the A's are going to be gone from Oakland. That market's dead. You're going to be in Las Vegas, sort of, because you have to find somewhere to play for three years while the stadium gets Reno, built. The Reno A's. Reno, Sacramento, uh, Oracle Park, uh, Las uh, Vegas, uh, oh Aviators. I mean, who knows, right? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. I mean, although, yeah, look, uh, just to make sure I clarify one thing, the the vote for the public funding on Tropicana site is not specific to the A's, right? It's just <laughs> a stadium. Interesting, right? A little interesting yeah. there. Yeah. So, I mean, everything they've done, all the groundwork they've laid could work for expansion still. If, if, if John Fisher is willing to sell the team here to local buyers. Now, the question is, are there legitimate local buyers? I'm sure you've heard a lot of things about this. <laughs> I've heard a lot of things about this, but no one's really making a lot of noise, right? At the moment. I, I know that I've talked to several buyers that are interested in buying the team and have said the team is flat out not for sale. Uh, two groups in particular I've spoken to have very, very good reasons why they cannot be public at the moment. Uh, and then, of course, you have Warriors owner Joe Lacob, who I'm not sure he's as interested in buying the team as some people think he is, but he's the only one that's actually really publicly been out there saying he has an open offer to buy the team. Yeah, also, he might get mad at me for this. He's also got some other partners on the Warriors who I've heard are big, big uh, baseball people. John Burbank is, is a name I've heard, although sometimes I, that name disappears. You know, who knows? There's a lot of rich people in this area. I'll put it that way. And some of them have been parts of teams. And I think at least, you know, pre-pandemic, and that is a big issue, but pre-pandemic felt that Oakland was really kind of, a you know, like the Warriors. It was a depressed asset that, that could be managed well, run with a, you know, face forward towards fans and become a blockbuster kind of franchise. They felt that. And um, there's money here. We know that. We know that, yeah. Casey, right? There are, there are billionaires every time you walk down the street. Uh, I'm curious just the way, have you had any different kind of interactions with the A's as this has gone on? Uh, I know you knew people there. Has there been, you know, what's been the response just from them? Not, you know, not Cavill and Fisher maybe, or if there has been, certainly let us know about it. But just from people kind of up and down the line on the ace. Yeah, this is the funniest thing about it is initially I was sort of engaged in battle, so to speak, with the A's ownership group. I can imagine uh, the spokesperson who you would have been engaged with in battle too. And but. engaged, yes, I've been engaged with with the A's spokesperson as well. And, and actually, you know, 
from from the A's spokesperson, and she's she's always actually been really good to me. At least I haven't had any major issues. Is and I've said a lot, like a yep. lot. Uh, so you know, when I arrived at the Coliseum, and the very first time I arrived after they had made the agreement, I, I wasn't sure my credential would work. Honestly, Tim, I was like, I don't know if they're going to deactivate this thing because I've been hammering them. Um, I arrived, walked right in from the clubhouse, the players. All the employees, everybody, broadcasters, all the way down the line, every single person I've run into has given me the sneaky, like, like fist bump, keep keep going. <laughs> like the players, too. I mean, I think that it, it's really interesting. Everybody but uh, the two people that are the owners that are out there the most, John Fisher and Dave Cavill, for, except for them, uh, every single person I've run into in the organization with the team, uh, from the roster to the run office employees have all been very, very, very supportive. <laughs> yeah, not surprising. I mean, not surprising. I mean, there's only yeah. so much so far they can go, but I would not have, you know, guessed against that for sure, because there is a sense that this team should be here. Uh, you know, a more obvious question, the fan reaction case, when you started doing this, did you expect this, you know, that reverse boycott was a movement. It felt like there was something being stated here that was something important. Uh, and you know, as you keep saying, it was twenty-seven thousand plus, but it easily could have been more. The traffic was terrible, shocking that they didn't, you know, supply enough people, workers, to be able to get all the people in that parking lot. But like, just what what's been your feel of just the reaction to you personally, or the reaction at large? Is, is this a signal? You know, if anybody's listening, that there is something here, there is a community that they should not mess around with. Is it, is it even stronger, maybe, than you would have suspected when you started this reporting? Yeah, I'd say a hundred times stronger than I expected. And I I don't want to say I was putting anything past A's fans. We've seen them do all kinds of crazy things. Um, but, you know, a lot of people send me messages as, as ideas are germinating. And, and I tell them I can't really help them with these things. But a lot of people sent me messages about the reverse boycott months ago. And they kept saying, what do you think of this? And I kept saying, do not do not, do not do that. It's a horrible idea. <laughs> I just, I was like, it's going to fail. A's apathy is too high. No one's going to show up. No one wants to give John, just, just don't do it. It's, it's going to look terrible. I was so wrong. Uh, I was so flat out wrong. Being there was one of the more remarkable things I've seen at the Oakland Coliseum. I've been going there since I was one years old, 1983. I've seen a lot of things there, World Series, crazy playoff games, all that stuff. The reverse boycott was something else. And I, I couldn't believe they pulled that off. It was one of the more incredible scenes I've seen there. What you said about the traffic was true. I had people sending me messages all the way through the seventh inning saying they were still stuck in traffic. Um, that was a real thing. Also, there's a K-pop concert that night at Oracle yeah. Arena. So in some some defense of the A's staffing at the Coliseum site, the K-pop concert threw a lot of things into chaos for people trying to get in. Um, but yeah, I think that it's not the 70s anymore. I mean, it's not a situation where owners can just say whatever they want the commissioner can just say whatever they want and they're the only ones that have a platform. This is a situation where fans now have a platform. They can make noise, their social media, and they have ways to fight against these things. And you're seeing it happen here. And I, I think that you're going to start seeing a lot more of it. I'm already seeing Rockies fans doing a whole bunch of sell stuff too. So this thing's going to start catching on and Manfred's going to have a big problem on his hands. Oh, that would be just sad. That'd be sad, Casey, <laughs> if that happened to such a great guy. All right, we could go on and on on this issue. I could talk to you forever, and we do talk about this, but uh, I will end this, this version of this conversation with a version of a question I ask all my guests. Casey Pratt, what's your favorite restaurant? All right, so I have a new favorite restaurant I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out there. 
Uh, it's a very popular one, but we went this weekend. It was my wife's 40th birthday. Uh, we had the girls in town. We did a staycation in San Francisco and I took them to the house of prime rib mm. and yes. I didn't think the girls would like it. I wasn't sure, you know, they're a bit pickier with things. Um, they're 10 and six years old for the record. So they're, they're a bit younger. Uh, everybody loved it. It was a smash hit. I mean, my, my youngest daughter Emerson was eating prime rib so fast that <laughs> she ate her whole prime rib, then ate some of my prime rib. Like it was crazy. So, uh, owner Joe Betts house of prime rib, incredible dinner. We took the whole family and we could not have had a better dinner. It was amazing. The whole you experience should, top notch. You got to get a second cut, right? Get that, that get and wheel it out there and get that second cut of prime rib. You can do that. I have a feeling you might have a, a expensive taste uh, family there, Casey. That's pretty good. Yeah, I might be in trouble. They did <laughs> offer the second cut. I had to turn it down. I ate so much that I told them they might have to wheel me down California Street. Like, just, just roll me down the street. I'm just so full. Um, you wouldn't be the only one coming out of house. So I'm going House of Prime Rib. That's my pick. Excellent. I think, uh, yeah, th that is a classic San Francisco selection, but it isn't overrated. It's perfectly rated or, in fact, maybe even underrated because people think of it as kind of a touristy thing. But it's good stuff. Uh, it's great food. And uh, last time I was there was not too long ago. I was with a bunch of basketball writers and I pointed out to them and they were laughing. Oh, what's what you really can tell this is really good is you see a lot of Asians in this restaurant. And when <laughs> Asians go to a non-Asian restaurant, I say this with love. That is an important thing because Asians don't go to bad restaurants. Asians like good food. So add that on your, lo your list of uh, local logic there. If you see Asians in a non-Asian restaurant, you see Asians in an Asian restaurant, of course, that's good too. But you see Asians in a, like in a prime rib place, that's a damn good place. So yeah, you know I'll, leave you with that. That. I'll leave you with that. All right, Casey, So thanks so much for the conversation. I really appreciate appreciate your coverage. Uh, I follow it all the time. And thank you, Vital Vegas, for popping that thing out there the day before we were having a talk. We were going to have a good conversation anyway, but I think we both, you were the first one to say it right after the legislation deal. Because I kind of went, you know what, they're going to sign this and the commissioner's in favor. If they're going to vote for it, this is happening. Then, you know what, but it is John Fisher. Like, this was hurried. This He still got, we haven't talked about the $1.1 in financing that I don't know that he's going to feel too good about. And you threw it out there it's like this could always blow up and you know what casey is on it i should have been thinking that at the time you never know and with john fisher you really 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 never know so appreciate all that all the coverage casey appreciate your dogginess appreciate all these things and yeah there's an A's community out there that i think someone should see someone should recognize and we'll see if how this ends up with the a's or maybe an expansion team yeah. I mean, I don't want to inject hopium to the masses, but uh, you're right. It's the same thing I'm thinking as well. Uh, there's still many ways this could get messed up. And uh, while I do think that I would put it way above 50% the A's end up in Las Vegas, for the record, I could still see many, many paths that lead back to Oakland. And the best path, Oakland and Las Vegas. That's what I really want. All right. Casey Pratt, man, for two cities, setting this all up. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tim. That's the show for today, everybody.